I mean, it's true. Like that's the human experience is the, the greatest height of joy and ecstasy in those wonderful, amazing moments and seasons. And then it's the depth of sorrow and pain and all of it is part of what's true and what's real to, to our experience. And so that's something that's kind of been, I, I think, gr a growth for me of not shying away from any of that, but saying, yeah, it's all here. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 311. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful conversation with Rachel. Rachel was previously a guest on our podcast way back at the very beginning of our podcast in episode eight with her partner, Aaron, at the time. Yeah, way back, way back. Way we, back. We didn't even have a podcast when we first talked to Rachel. We, we were put in touch to, uh, with her by some friends. And we're like, hey, we're going to have a podcast. And she's like, all right, we'll do it. Yeah. And 300 and some episodes later, here we are. We're back. We're back. We bring her back. And it is an incredible conversation. Yes. You will notice that back on episode eight, she used the uh, name Samantha. And, and this episode, she uses her real name, Rachel. And we talk about that in the interview. So you'll understand that more, why we have that change in a little bit. Yeah. We also talk a lot about what's gone on for the last five years. Astute listeners will remember. And again, we'll catch everybody up. But Back then, she was in more of a hierarchical swinging dynamic where a lot of their interactions were together as a couple, maybe a little bit of dabbling in polyamory. Since then, she takes us on a journey through a sort of poly quad, going to a more non-hierarchical place, coming out of that, and where that's taken her and her relationship today. There's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of changes, and it's an amazing conversation. So a huge amount of gratitude to Rachel for, first of all, trusting us five years ago, yes. and then for coming back on all these years later to share her story. We also want to make sure everybody knows, and again, Rachel will talk about this in the episode, but Rachel is a therapist. She's a licensed clinical social worker social worker, and she is an ASEX certified sex therapist. She does incredible work. We've attended some of her workshops on intimacy and more information about all of her work and how you can work with her and join some of these workshops can be found on her website, aliveintimacy.com or in our podcast player show notes or on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the podcast tab. You're definitely going to want to go check that out. Her yeah. work's amazing. Her work is incredible. For anyone who is a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right into the interview with Rachel now. And for anyone else, we're going to go through our announcements. We'll keep them as short as possible today. 
Just today, though. Just today. Next week, we're going to make them double long. We, we always <laughs> try to make them as short as possible. First up, if anyone's not familiar with the premium subscription, it's a way to skip these announcements up front and jump right into the interviews. But don't worry, you still get important dates in the outro. You can sign up at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Just scroll down on the homepage and you can sign up there. Next up, we want to remind everybody that every month we do virtual meet and greets. These are an incredible way to meet people from all over the world. We just had our October one on Friday the 20th, so just a few days ago. But don't worry, we've got one coming up November, November 17th. We're super pumped about it. We hope you join us. We had over 30 people and we had a great time. You can sign up on our website under the events tab. Yep, events and you'll find your way. Yeah, these meet and greets are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. Oh, not just on the events tab. There's a new banner at the top of our there, website. There is. Yeah, check out that new website. Mm. <laughs> Delicious. Some, some changes <laughs> that you can go see. Next up, we want to tell you all about our virtual community. We tell you about this all the time, and the reason we do that is because it's freaking amazing. It is. We have almost 300 people from all over the world who come together every day to support one another. We have a men's group. We have a women's group. We also do monthly Q&A calls. And again, all day, every day, there is a forum sort of chat platform where you can go in and get support, love, laughs, and a little bit of sexiness. All of it. All of it. To sign up, go back to our website. You're already there. So go back to our website, go to the community tab. You can find out all of the information right there. And last but not least, while you're on our website, go over to the resources tab, click on the links for stdcheck.com. It is our favorite way to get tested for STIs. It is a service that Finn and I use, we love. It is fast, simple, discreet. And by using the links on our website, you get a discount, making a 10-panel ch- test only $129, and you support the show. What, what better combination than that? Right. You save money. And you support your favorite podcasters. I just touched your boob when I did that. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) And. (laughs) It was inadvertent. I was. Inadvertent boob touch. I was going to say, and you, (laughs) not only do you get to support the podcast and you get a discount, but you also get to know your STI results. Which you can then share other. With, with all of the people whose boobs you may touch or who may touch yours. Oh my gosh. Anyway, this went off the rails. <laughs> send us a voicemail. Send us an email. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Speaking of voicemails, we have a special episode coming up this Friday, our first ever Ask Us Anything episode, co-hosted by friend and amazing human, Miche from mm-hmm. Expansive Connection. She is a coach and therapist and, again, all-around amazing badass. And we answer your questions on the air. So come back on Friday and listen. And with that, we are going to jump into this incredible conversation with Rachel, and we will see all of you in the outro. Welcome back to the podcast, Rachel. We are thrilled to talk again today. It's been a long time. Well. It's been a long time since we've recorded for the podcast, but we've talked yes. since then. So it's it's wonderful to see you today. It's wonderful to see both of you and be back here five years later. <laughs> right? Five years later. And that's that's a great place to start is you were on episode eight. So that's been <laughs> basically we recorded our conversation with you in spring 2018 before this show even launched. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even know who you, you were our first sort of we don't know who these people are. We got referred to you by friends who knew you. And just so that's been the start of a five-year, I don't know, friendship of sorts. So 
here we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yes, definitely. And it was very interesting to go back and listen to that interview that my now ex and I did at the time and just think about how much time has passed. Yeah, an entire pandemic, like four, <laughs> 400 years worth of one plus <laughs> the other three years. So yeah, it's been a hell of a time. <laughs> Um, so maybe one first thing we should point out to people is your name is different today. And maybe we start there and then have you introduce yourself for anybody who didn't go listen to episode eight. And also for anyone who did, we've gotten better. So thank you for your patience. It's been, <laughs> it's been over 300 episodes. We know what we're doing now. <laughs> or more so than we did back then. Right, right. <laughs> well, you guys were great back then. So it's amazing how, how you're still here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm amazed too. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, you're still here doing a great job. That's what I mean. Okay. 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 (laughs) Um, yes. So at the time we, my ex who went by Aaron and I'll, I'll refer to him as Aaron. Uh, and I went by Samantha and I think we did that because that was kind of the thing to do you guys asked what we wanted our names to be. And we thought this is fun. We'll use fake names. (laughs) And so we did. And then y'all asked if I wanted to use Samantha or my real name, Rachel for this interview. And I thought about it and consulted with people about it. And (laughs) the reason I decided to go by Rachel, my real name this time is because I, So I'm a a clinical social worker, a a therapist, and I have kind of a dual relationship with the normalizing non-monogamy community because I offer intimacy workshops that are online and some Mm -hmm. multiple folks and and wonderful people and couples from the non-monogamy, the normalizing non-monogamy community have attended my intimacy workshop. Mm -hmm. So of course for that, they know me as Rachel because that's my Mm -hmm. business. And I thought it would be a little strange for me to continue to say, Hey, you know, I offer this resource for people, but, uh, go by a different name. And I would say, so I've been a therapist for nine years now and I've been, well, I guess I've been non-monogamous for about the same amount of time. And I've, I mean, I can go more into this if, if we get there, but I've become more comfortable over time with self-disclosure as a therapist and because basically me doing this podcast under my own name is a form of coming out, Mm -hmm. you know, um, even though I'm already out in different ways, but I feel more ready probably now than I did five years ago to be more out, especially within the non-monogamy community, because chances are someone who's really opposed to non-monogamy who might become my client is not going to seek this podcast out. So there's kind of a low risk mm-hmm. for that, but yeah. So, yeah. so long, long story short, that <laughs> I think answers your question. No, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah it does. totally. And thank you for, I mean, for one, for sort of, like you said, it's sort of a coming out and that's a huge honor for us to be a part of that for you. And also wanted to just throw some clout behind the workshops because people yeah. from our community have been in them and so have we. And yes, we don't yes. usually promote the stuff that we don't partake in. And so, yeah, we're, we're super excited about that work that you're doing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, maybe picking up there, 
do you want to introduce yourself just a little bit more? And then we're going to kind of pick up your story story in (laughs) some fashion and see where it takes us because it has been a long time and a lot has changed. Sure. Yes. So introducing myself, like I said, I am for, for my day job and part of my identity. I am a therapist and I work a lot with couples and individuals. I, uh, sex therapist as well. So that's kind of my wheelhouse. And I've been working more with non-monogamous clients as well, which is an interesting thing to navigate being in the community mm-hmm. and <laughs> having clients in the community. The community is not huge. Um, but uh, so that that's kind of work. And then as what else should I share about introducing me for... No, that's great. And so back, yeah, yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> maybe back five years ago when we talked, what did things kind of look like high level? Yeah, back then? a snapshot. Yes. Yeah, so back then, Aaron and I were we were primary partners, and he was not that far out of a breakup with his ex, and he and I, so we had been long distance two hours away and then we moved, I I moved down to be with him and we moved in together. So we were living together. We were doing really well. And at that time, I mean, we, we had met Polly and we were still Polly, but at that time we were kind of more focused on dating together as a couple, Mm -hmm. just because we were enjoying being together and making friends together. Although we still did do separate dating as well. Yeah. 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 So that's like kind of where you were and you talked through your dynamic, um, how you got there to that point and, and what your relationship was looking like and things were going really well, as you said at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were going wonderfully. And I've, I feel like that wanted to start this podcast out with like a trigger warning that this podcast contains like breakup. talking about a break. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Not that I'm going to go into all kinds of gritty details, but I've referred to Aaron as my ex and we are broken up as of about eight months ago. So it still is a little bit fresh, although I will say I'm doing very well overall Mm -hmm. right now. And so (laughs) it was ironic as I listened back to that podcast, uh, Finn, you said that, what was it that, or it was a quote from Dan Savage, I think that just because of a relationship ends doesn't mean it was a bad relationship. And I was like, I like that quote. And (laughs) (laughs) and then here I am with (laughs) another breakup. And, um, no, it it really was a wonderful relationship in so many ways. And I, I mean, neither one, neither Aaron nor I, you know, it wasn't like, we don't regret the relationship. There was so much that I I know I learned and grew from it. And I I think he feels the same (laughs) and we are, we are still friends. It's still in that kind of, um, sensitive place where we're taking a little bit more distance because Mm -hmm. we're both kind of healing and grieving from it, but we are still in contact and, um, you know, his kids are young adults now and I'm still in their lives. So, you know, as far as breakups goes, it's not terrible. 
but where, what else should I say about that? No, it's yeah. great. It's, we're just grateful that, that you're able to and willing to come on and share. And you said, you said sort of before we started recording that this is for you a really big act of vulnerability to mm-hmm. be able to come on because I mean, yeah, to be grieving a relationship of at least five years or roughly five years together you don't just heal from that overnight. And so we know talking about it is fresh and raw and, and we're just, we're really grateful that, that you're here to talk about not just that, but your, your personal journey as it stands today and what, you know, the, the growth and the place that you've landed in over the last five years of doing this. Yeah. So I guess for context, not like it necessarily matters, but for context, how long were you and Aaron together? Eight years. Eight years. Okay. So yeah, it was a long, I know we talked five years ago and I just wanted to add some context there. Um, and I guess we'd like you to kind of pick up where you'd like to pick up, um, and what direction you feel like going today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where I'm at right now is I feel somewhat unique to non-monogamy, although not totally in terms of, I mean, I want to talk about where I'm at personally and also a little bit with the relation, relational stuff I'm in. So, um, I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, (laughs) Aaron and I were together for eight years, like we said, and along the way he met and started dating another partner and they, they've been together going on six years. Now they're still together and I, I think doing well and, um, you know, serious committed partner. And then about four years ago, I met someone and became more serious with that person. And so we had sort of a quad for a while there. And then the, you know, a lot of different things happened that kind of led to the relationship changes that we've undergone. Um, but where I'm at currently is that I had broken up with, but now gotten back together with the other partner who I will call Jack. (laughs) (laughs) That works. (laughs) Um, and so it's been interesting because so yeah, this is harder to talk about than I thought. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I am in this position of still grieving the loss of the relationship with Aaron. And I think I keep reminding myself that it's natural for that to take a while and not to be like, Oh, I'm better now. And I'm not sad anymore. It's like, well, I'm doing well, but it's still a loss. Any, you know, anytime someone goes through a breakup, most, most all of us can relate to this. And while at the same time feeling really happy and in love in my relationship with Jack. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this weird juxtaposition of those two things at the same time. So I'm, you know, and I guess that I could talk about personally I've done a lot of spiritual growth, I would say, since the last five years that I have was on the podcast before, and I just recently completed a two-month kind of awakening class 
And the mantra for that was, it's good for me to be fully alive. Mm -hmm. And we worked a lot with what does it mean to be fully alive? And part of that is being fully alive to the full spectrum of human emotion, which sometimes I don't want to be fully alive (laughs) because it hurts and it is sad and, (laughs) um, or it's scary and I don't think I can handle it. Yeah. But that's been helpful because it is, I mean, it's true. Like that's the human experience is the, the, greatest height of joy and ecstasy in those wonderful, amazing moments and seasons. And then it's the depth of sorrow and pain and all of it is part of what's true and what's real to, to our experience. And so that's something that's kind of been, I I think a growth for me of, not shying away from any of that, but saying, yeah, it's all here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is really hard to do because like you said, sometimes you don't want to feel, you don't want to feel the pain. You don't want to feel the Mm -hmm. hurt. You don't want all the, the hard stuff to come up. You want to enjoy the happy. And I think this is a thing that does get highlighted often in non-monogamy because you can, like you said, you kind of simultaneously have both happening. You might have, you might have NRE on one hand while you're going through a breakup on the other hand. And how do you, how do you fully enjoy both of those or enjoying the breakup is a weird way to say that, but how do you fully experience both of those? Yeah. Embracing the emotion of both. Yeah. Be alive in your emotion. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. But, you know, I would say that the other thing that relates to me and where I'm at, having gone through this painful and difficult breakup, is I I would say it forced me to really rely on my friends and family for support in a way that I... I, I'm... I'm a pretty strong extrovert and I've always had friends and really enjoyed connecting with people on a real level, but there was something about, I I mean, I was so messy, like I was just a hot mess and I mean, still am, but more, I was more so than usual during the first six months after the breakup and my friends really showed up for me and I actually got quite a bit deeper with a good number of friends than I would have otherwise, which to me has been a massive silver lining of the whole thing. Like I I can look around my friend group and say, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I was with this person. If, if I hadn't gone through this, this difficult time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it takes a lot to show up vulnerably in somebody else's life and say, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And I am someone who likes to 
feel put together and <laughs> I'm a therapist. So I like to help other people with their yeah. problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. yeah. Asking for help is a lot, is a lot harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. And being in a position of receiving a lot, which is also, I realized hard for me of like receiving more than I'm giving in a way feels like I want to give back, but I'm not in the position to do that or have hadn't been. Well, and that, I mean, that's a very relatable thing to, to hear because I think that, I mean, for me, I'll speak just for me is that idea that if, if I'm receiving more than I'm giving, then people are going to get tired of me. Mm -hmm. I'm just taking and taking and taking, and this is imbalance. And so I often feel, or I always feel so much more comfortable if I'm, if there's an imbalance and I'm the one giving more, cause mm-hmm. then I'm not in quote unquote <laughs> in debt to somebody. I know, and, the feeling. and so it's, it's so messed up though, because you get, you can get to places in life where you're like, I literally have nothing to give you. So if we're going to be friends, then I'm sorry, you have to give to me. And that's a really vulnerable place to show up in anybody's life to say like, I would love to give you a hundred percent and I have 3%. So what do we do today? How do we be friends today? Or how do we even be partners today? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And the other thing that gets lost in that kind of thinking, which I share with you, Finn, is that people enjoy giving. Mm-hmm. Other people enjoy giving to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're taking away their joy by not letting them give to you in a way. <laughs> yep. And that, it. and I can trick myself into believing that sometimes. So it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's right. hard. Right. And it's, and this is like, it's seasons of life. And mm-hmm. I, I have a, one of my really close friends and we give to each other. It's like when she's down, I'm there for her. And when I've been really down, she's been there for me. And it, in one given week or month, it may be one of us giving more than the other, but over this months and span of our friendship, it does feel reciprocal. Like, mm-hmm. and it, you know, that's kind of how life is. Yeah. 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 Cause totally. it is that give and take. It's that balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think too, the thing that's important to remember the, the people who are showing up in your life when you are in need, they're showing up there because they probably received something similar from you right at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one that's hard for me to remember is this person's here able and willing because they've probably received something like that from me. And so at a certain point, right, we might use up all of the, <laughs> all, all of the, the, I guess, good graces we've, we've invested in, but you know, that, like you said, that's life. We give some, we take some, we give some, we take some. And yeah, it's just uh, really f- easy to lose sight of that when you're, cause probably right when we're the person who needs, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on that we feel shitty about ourselves. And we're like, well, we'll just add, we'll add one more log on the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I, now I'm just taking from my friends and my relationship fell apart and, oh, I'm a bad daughter and a bad, what? I, right. You can, 
you can add a, any log you want to that fire and get it real nice and hot and roast yourself. <laughs> I love that visual. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> not, not that I've ever done it, but yeah. <laughs> you have a very well-developed metaphor for it. <laughs> yeah. But, you, but you've never run into that yourself. No. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just a, I'm a master of metaphors. <laughs> Touched to Emma's. Uh, she loves my metaphors. He does like the metaphors. <laughs> yeah. They're great. <laughs> so I, I had a question, Rachel, that is... A, Again, we don't know all that has happened, but I imagine right, you don't wake up one day and a relationship just ends. Usually, right, you don't wake up and be like, well, today's the day. It just went from 100 to zero. And I'm curious what for you over the last four or five years has been going on just interpersonally that maybe contributed to you landing where you are today. That, that There's been a lot that's changed in the world in the last five years, but also just with you personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that changed compared to five years ago is that, as I said, Aaron got, had met someone and, and they started to become more serious. Mm-hmm. So, and then I met someone and started to become more serious. So now rather than Aaron and I, and then the other people that we were dating not as seriously, we had Aaron and I, and then Aaron and his partner, and then myself and my partner, Jack. And we, so that adds a lot of complication. Mm -hmm. And to add on top of that, we decided to quarantine together. The four of you? Yes. Okay. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) I would not recommend. No, I mean, it, it was, it was quarantine. It was the, the early days and the height of COVID. And I mean, I, I think everyone's relationships were stressed and strained in different ways. I think some people's relationships were strengthened, Mm -hmm. but it certainly added unique, never seen before stressors to relationship dynamics. And that was kind of like take, somebody said it, it was like taking, and, and my partner, Jack was fairly new to Polly at the time. And so it was like taking, you know, going from level one Polly to level 12 Polly all under the stress of a global pandemic and not intending, I mean, no, nobody knew the pandemic was going to last so long. And so we, and we when you probably it. started, you're like, Oh, this will be like two weeks, like we- two weeks or something. <laughs> and because my partner, Jack was across the country at the time, long distance. And so it was, okay, we'll do this. It'll be, it'll be fine. And then of course it turns into months. So. And just to clarify your partner, Jack and Aaron's partner, Aaron's mm-hmm. other partner, they, I'm assuming were probably friends, but like they, there wasn't any romantic relationship there. There was no romantic relationship there. No, there was a romantic relationship between myself and Aaron's partner for a short period of time, but then, mo- but that transitioned back to friends. So mm-hmm. for the most of that, we were friends. Yeah. I just wanted yeah, to clarify and yeah. make sure because it can add on, add on additional dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think too, just to, I mean, this is actually the second time this week we've given this reminder, just the perspective of, because you kind of said, I wouldn't recommend 
necessarily doing this, you know, uh, quarantining or being in each other's bubble. And I think it's so easy now to look back three years ago and from three years out and say, oh, that was crazy. But I mean, remember spring of 2020, we all didn't know if when we went outside and went to the grocery store, we were going to breathe something in and die. And so like, that was the reality that we all lived in and the news, right? The information we had, it changed weekly. And so to think daily that you, you said, yeah, it was level 12. I mean, to me, level 12 out of a five level scale, because like you were doing a sort of a quad, which is incredibly hard. And then you throw on a pandemic and the threat of, you know, potential sickness, hospitalization, or death at any given day where none of us are thinking straight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally. Exactly. And there, you know, so many factors and just, I mean, being under that level of stress brings up so many things, whether Mm -hmm. it's your own personal fears or past things that you've been through or Mm -hmm. just, yeah. So, so it was a lot and, Um, you know, I, I don't, I think that kind of, to me was a very big factor in the way things played out after that Mm -hmm. kind of almost like, um, it just seemed like we could never get back to where it had been before you and Aaron. Yeah. Aaron and I, and then the, the quad, it was like we kind of got off course and tried really, really hard, did therapy, did things, and kind of got to a good place at different points, but then it kept coming back. The The wounding and the, the feelings kept coming back up. And so, and I want to keep it focused, speaking for myself, is that I, I found myself in a position where, <clears throat> because... Aaron and I had transitioned from a hierarchical poly to a non-hierarchical poly. And we had done that transition before I met Jack. But so by the time I met him, we were non, we were defining the relationship as individually, not mm-hmm. based on a, a hierarchy like that. And so down the line, when, things started to get challenging between Aaron and I, and, um, I, and then there was tension and challenge between Aaron and Jack. And I found myself in a situation where I had two partners and I, this is my experience where I felt Mm -hmm. like I couldn't be a good partner and, and please both at the same time because they were sort of at odds with each other And loyalty is something that's really important to me in relationships and not to an absurd level, but generally it's important to me to be, to really be supportive to my partner and to, to take their side and to really try to understand where they're coming from. Even if maybe they're going through some stuff and not acting the best or having challenges, I don't want to just drop them. I mean, if we're in a committed relationship, I want to be there for them and help them work through it and get to a better place. And for my personal values, being in that situation kind of stuck between these two partners, it was impossible for me to be loyal to both. And 
I, I mean, it, uh, of course, I'm a therapist, so I think about things and all these different levels. And I'm like, wow, isn't it ironic that I grew up in a divorced family and here I found myself in a split love situation? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the connections. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, this feels familiar. Um, <laughs> and, but it was, it was absolutely horrible for me to be in that position emotionally. And so, which is why at a certain point through that process, I ended up pulling back from both relationships because I was so confused and so distraught between, between it that I needed to kind of reground myself. And then ultimately it ended up ending with Aaron and I, and then took a little bit of time to reconnect with Jack. So all that to say where I'm at right now, which eight, seven, eight months out from, from that breakup and kind of still restabilizing myself is that I right now am only feeling capable of a hierarchical poly situation, a primary partnership. And that's what Jack and I have agreed to. And he's in the same boat with that. And I feel way more comfortable with that because I just don't ever want to find myself in that situation again, where I have to, I just, a hierarchy works for me. I don't mind. I'm good with that. It keeps Mm -hmm. it clear. (laughs) Well, and as long as you communicate that to everybody else and like, just then, yeah, that works for you. Great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's an interesting piece you bring up around loyalty and, and I think, you you actually got right into the question that I was kind of wanting to ask about, which is the shift from we are primaries to we are non-hierarchical. That that introduces a whole lot of things that they I don't know, that's not that people don't think about, but I think sometimes people don't think about is just like to your point, when you're now in a situation where you're going, Well, I can really see this person's perspective, and I can really see this person's perspective. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes hierarchy gives us a default of, well, I see both perspectives, but this is where my loyalty lies because of the hierarchy. And it's, and and this is in no way like a negative piece, but like it it almost gives you an out to say, well, I get both sides, but like at the end of the day, you know, I think maybe like a swinging dynamic, right? You can say you go to a club with your partner and something goes weird and you're like, well, but yeah, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm getting in Emma's car and we are driving home together. And so like, mm-hmm. was Emma completely in the right? Well, probably not. Was she completely in the wrong? Well, probably not. But like, we also, we are going home. We have to wake up tomorrow and go to the store and we have a life that we've, we've constructed. And unless I want to dismantle all of that right now, then hierarchy still exists in, in some ways and the loyalty that goes with it. And it's really tricky to be, I mean, to be caught in that is, like you said, it's impossible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think there's, there's theory and then there's reality mm-hmm. and there's the reality of what my capacity is and what the capacity of life is. And, <laughs> um, it's good to live in reality. And sometimes like 
I, I wouldn't have known the things that I'm saying now about the non-hierarchical poly. I wouldn't have been able to know that if, if you hadn't really, gone through it. If I hadn't gone through it, but I know it now, and I also know that it takes a lot of capacity to be in two serious relationships, and then also to have the quad dynamic. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It's two partners. And I'm, I'm not saying that this was a bad thing, but it was something that, that did stretch my capacity. I mean, this is kind of different mm -hmm. and, and even separate from the breakup or, or anything else. Totally. Just being, being in two committed relationships, it was a lot to manage for me. It's, you know, two people's families to keep in touch with, two people to have date nights with, two people to have conversations with. So I think that's, you know, uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately as humans, we don't have a limitless capacity for these things. <laughs> we have to. Prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's easy to think that you, a lot of people, it's easy to think that you do, that you can do it. Right. Right. Well, right. Cause you, uh, you want to, like a lot of, like mm -hmm. you want to be able to show up and do all of these mm -hmm. things and you, it's like, oh, well I can do that. And then when you step back and you're like, wait a second, I mm -hmm. yeah, maybe overpromised here. <laughs> well, and the idea too, that non-hierarchical means equal and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, right. Just because you're in a, you're in a non-hierarchical relationship with Aaron and one with Jack, that doesn't mean that 50% goes to Aaron, 50% goes to Jack, right? You mm -hmm. probably also want to leave some for Rachel. And, mm -hmm. and also just to me, time doesn't equal importance, right? I can, I can show up and have a really amazing time with somebody and they can mean so much to me, but that doesn't mean that they have 50% of me because you just can't, you can't give yourself 50% of yourself to everybody. You have nothing left and it's hard because mm -hmm. to Emma's point, you want to, you want to give everybody 100% of you, or at least I'm that type of person. Mm -hmm. Harkening back to our conversation earlier about, well, I want to help everybody. So I'm always there, but that's an incredible amount of energy to put out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And it's like, where does your heart lie? And we, I think a lot of us in the non-monogamy community got into it because we have big hearts or we, we have, we have a big capacity for love and connection, but it is just interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, the heart space that a relationship takes up or that you allow it to take up or, or something. And some of that's a, subconscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and two, I think there's also, we talk about this quite a bit is the functional hierarchy, right? Even in a non-hierarchical mm -hmm. partnership, I just, again, from Emma and I's relationship, we, we live together, we have a business together, we have certain things together. And so even if we say we're non-hierarchical, like we have some functional hierarchy. I can't, I don't just like take off and leave and not tell her where I'm going because like mm. she's probably counting on me to probably get some groceries and make some meals together with her this week. And so we still have a lot that we rely on each other for. And, mm -hmm. and that may not be the case with a different partner. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's Descript just descriptive versus prescriptive hierarchy. Yeah. too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's easy. It's really easy to figure it all out, as we can tell. That's the whole point. <laughs> it's not messy at all. And, you know, you guys, anyone should have no problem with this. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I love that you said that right now you've, you've, you started hierarchical. You gave non-hierarchy a try. And you've made a seemingly very conscious decision to say, that doesn't work for me, at least not right now. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if you can talk just a little bit more about that, because I I think that's another thing in the world of non-monogamy with all the content out there we hear now is hierarchy is bad. You're going to be just flexing your couple's privilege and just ruining people's lives. And h- how are you approaching, maybe approaching hierarchy with a different lens than it was approached before you transitioned into out of and back into (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes okay and i'm thinking it'll be interesting for me to look back on this conversation in a couple years as well to see if i was like wow what, what was i even saying i feel totally different now but um i because i think certainly part of my feelings about it now are related to feeling pretty um, burnt and burnt out and, and, and burnt by non-hierarchical poly and not, it, it's not that non-hierarchical poly was. the, the, <laughs> yep. the Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the, it was the situation that you were in. <laughs> it was the situation I was in and I have no interest in being in that situation again, because I'm still healing from it. So, so just acknowledging, I know that that is at least a part of my feeling, totally. but, but also I, I think right now I feel more interested in living life and rather than talking endlessly about poly challenges. <laughs> and so I guess you could say, I don't have the capacity to be non-hierarchical right now because I'm choosing that I have other things going on. And I feel like I already did that. I already tried that. And maybe I'll want to try it again in the future. I, I don't know. I, I certainly would not rule that out of trying it again. But at this point, I am very happy with where things are with, with Jack and focusing on that relationship. And I'm dating one other person who I see monthly and that's a you know, lovely friendship and dating relationship. And I have another person that I see here and there. And I feel, I feel at capacity with that. And I feel good with that. And I also have my wonderful friends and family that I really invest in and love having time with that. So it's been kind of nice having a little bit of a a little less poly responsibility. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, It's, and in some ways you're, making choices to allow yourself space for you too, like, and for healing. And I don't know, it is, it gets back to this um, topic of capacity to of recognizing your own capacity and, and mm-hmm. say, no, like this feels good. This is where I feel 
like I can be right now. And I'm open to that changing in the future, but I feel like I'm taking care of myself. I'm healing. I'm showing up for my friends and family. I'm showing up for my relationship with Jack. And I have these other partners that are, you know, that I see here and there and they're important, but they're, it's just, it is where you're at and recognizing that all and communicating that all to everyone else. Like Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. And I like, I think investing in me has been an important part of that. And I've mentioned my spiritual practice. I Mm -hmm. really find that to be very important and, and prioritizing that. You know, as we're talking about, like you feel in this kind of flow of your life, feel at capacity right now and you feel, it feels good. I'm imagining from what you've shared, a lot of the situations the last few years did not feel good, did not felt way over your capacity. And also, I mean, that's, that was the problem, right? That, that was the, the relationship dynamics. It was too much for you at that time to feel like you could navigate it in a way that was healthy for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. I would say that it wasn't that the last few years, the whole time was mm-hmm. this one great big challenge. It, a lot of it things were going well, even within the quad and things would come up and they'd be talked about. And then we would move forward. And even the the four of us hung out quite a bit and would have dinners together and, and have a, a fun time. And I would say it got especially difficult between specifically between Aaron and I for probably couple few months before the breakup and things kind of came to a head mm-hmm. and that really did that was the time period where I really had to rely on my friends and my spiritual practice and my own therapy to get through that and come out the other end um yeah yeah and and sort of on the topic still of uh, making space for yourself. What is, what has that looked like for you the last seven months? Cause I, I mean, seemingly for the, the time at least that you were in sort of in the thick of this all, there probably wasn't a lot of time for, for, uh, for Rachel. And so what did, what does that look like as you started to make space and started to heal from this. And again, I think it's really important that you say like, it wasn't just a total nightmare day in and day out for, for years at a time, but that the, there is still recovery and healing that comes out of any big emotional or relational shift like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, one concept that came out of this, that came from one of, one of my good friends who talked about the idea of being your own primary partner mm-hmm. and which we've been talking about primary and I refer to Jack as my primary partner, but this concept of being that person for yourself, mm-hmm. which I would say is a big growth area for me that I really feel okay on my own. And I don't know that I really could have said that before, like a few years ago before, um, so, you know, I didn't feel that I would be destroyed by 
the breakup or, you know, and I felt I kind of am living by myself now and I feel okay with that. I mean, I have lived by myself before, but, um, so I really like that concept because it shows that I, I am someone who needs to take care of, who needs taken care of. And I'm the best person suited to really do that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, and it's so easy to, to let that get lost over time too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that's relatable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my friend who was talking about this concept said she goes on a trip by herself at least once a year and like traveling. And I was like, Whoa, that's a foreign concept. All of my travel time is like with this partner or this family or this person. But I, so that was one thing I did do was schedule a trip to one of my favorite places and scheduled it about six months in advance. So I had that to look forward to, to get through the time, which was really, I think a, a good thing for me. Yeah. 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 And, and so I'm curious then like maybe moving forward and you're in a primary partnership with Jack and you're in a primary partnership with yourself now. And so how do you, and you've got some other partners that are people you've been dating and, and exploring that as well. Where do you sort of see, and again, knowing that we can all change our minds tomorrow, but what do you kind of see for yourself in the coming maybe months or years or just overall as your sort of new vision of what you want polyamory or non-monogamy to sort of look like for yourself? Mm-hmm. I like that question. And I'll give you the answer now. I would Mm -hmm. say it's still under construction Mm -hmm. because one of, one of the losses from the breakup with Aaron was the loss of our future vision together, Mm -hmm. which I think is so often the case with a breakup. Aaron and I lived together and we owned a house together And we had a shared vision of what we were going to do with that house. And all of that is no longer, that vision is no longer for me. So as one of my friends said to me, now you get to decide what, what you want to do with, I mean, you know, that, that vision's not there, but what do you want to do? You kind of have this open space to explore which is kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure I am excited and interested in continuing to invest in the relationship with Jack. As I I think I mentioned before, we've been together for years. Mm -hmm. There was a breakup in there as part of the, all the relationship changes, but so we're not, we're not brand new. And so we're continuing to, build on that and keeping that primary focus and continuing to (laughs) have fun. I think lighthearted experiences with other people and not trying to delve into too deep too quickly or even 
with, with other people right now. I mean, I, I dive in deep with friends just because I like deep relationships, but in terms of making it a romantic committed partnership, no, I, I can't not wanting to go towards that right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then both Jack and I have careers that we're excited and passionate about. So it's, it's great to, for both of us to be able to be investing in our careers and supporting each other in that. Jack is in the process of buying a sailboat that he's going to live on. So there'll be lots of adventures to have there. And I may want to buy a house of my own, not right away, but maybe in a year or two. So there's, there's lots of exciting, just life, the investing in life things that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, And it, and it doesn't sound like the, this experience you've had sent you running from non-monogamy. non-monogamy or polyamory going, Oh my God, never again. Right. You have your, you have some dating relationships and you have this primary relationship. And so it, I think that's important to, to just highlight. And again, not that you couldn't have gone through this and said, Hey, all said and done, like, I'm not, I'm not really thinking polyamory is my jam. And we've, we've talked to those people as well, but I, I think it is maybe interesting to just touch on that a little bit, that, that coming through this, it seems like it's still, it's still the way that you want to relate to people, even if it's a slightly different version of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, that is a good point because <laughs> it would be easy to say polyamory is way too complicated and it's not worth the, <laughs> the yeah, pain yeah. and the challenge and, and everything. But I mean, the reality is relationships are complicated. Exactly. Whether they're, <laughs> they're non-monogamous or not. So non-monogamy adds a particular array of complications, but, but no, I, I mean, I did, I did think about that through this process of, do I still want to be non-monogamous? And the answer is yes, because I do feel that it's part of my orientation. It's sort of like part of my relationship orientation. I can't really imagine. I, I really cannot imagine being monogamous. Well, I guess if I had to, but it's hard to imagine having to be monogamous because now I just think not monogamously. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not running from the Hills. It was definitely a lot of learning that I'm still learning and it was a valuable, it's been valuable life experience. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And you can hold that, that view as well as the feelings around, I do feel burned by this situation that happened. Like I feel, I feel like that wasn't like, that wasn't fair. That's not what I wanted or all of those emotions. You can hold both at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around, but, uh, it, I thank you for touching on on that part too of that it was valuable it is valuable it's the way it's the way you feel like you want to relate to people and how you think and um I know a lot of people can relate to that Mhm mhm Yeah exactly it's as as I have said at least once already that it's part of the human experience and it just makes us that much more human and mm-hmm. makes me that much more human <laughs> this and 
Yeah, we all are human. <laughs> well, and someday at a dinner party, you get to tell this story that most people, <laughs> you'll, you'll leave their jaw on the floor and they'll be like, oh, Rachel, don't fuck with Rachel. <laughs> she, she's, she's seen some shit. <laughs> right, right. Well, and there's a, uh, a new Michael Franti album out that where one of the songs, the lyrics is, life is amazing, then it sucks. Yes. Amazing again. And I love that song because it's so true. Even it, it could even be from day to day. Like one day, like, man, this is great. <laughs> Hanging out with friends, having a good time. And then the next day, boom, something happens or something comes up or from se- life season to life season. So I yeah. really kind of like that because I do, I do think it's easy to forget that when you're in it, like when you're in, in the thick of it, to be like, oh my gosh, like this is never going to end, or this is totally my fault, or what's wrong with me? And it's like, well, it's just kind of life. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It, it it just be like that sometimes, as my uh, my teenage stepkids used to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too, and we love that song. It's relatable in so many ways. Yeah, my my. Fun fun fact, my end of the year Spotify rap last year, I was in like the top 0.1% global listeners of Michael Franti because I just... <laughs> you didn't tell me that. I yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I... It's the long story, but yes. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with that song. Um, I'm so glad yeah. you guys know that. That I yes. love that whole album. It's great. It's great. I listen to it on repeat still today. So <laughs> and we I'm, actually we actually saw him in concert just a few weeks ago. Oh, so that's amazing. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyone out there listening, go check out the song. We'll post yeah. a link in the show notes because it's it's worth it. Yes. And I had one other question and then, well, actually, you know what, let's have you plug your work a little bit more what, what people can expect when they talk to you, when they work with you a little bit more about your workshop. And, and again, for, for anybody listening, if you want to find out more about Rachel links to everything she's talking about, will be in the podcast player. So you don't need to write it all down. But yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about your work? And then I've got one, at least one other question for you. Sure. Yes. So as I mentioned, I am a therapist and I work a lot with couples or I've worked with a quad before. So I'm open to working with other relationship configurations as well and individuals. And I am an ASEX certified sex therapist. So I do a lot with sexuality as well. And something I've myself and a colleague have started offering in the past couple years is intimacy workshops, which are something that I've promoted on the podcast mm-hmm. here. And that several, including Emma and Finn of the, uh, this community has attended and they're, they're three hour online workshops that are usually on Saturday mornings. There's a one one and a two one level, and it's usually anywhere from four to four to eight couples and and then some individuals come together and we go over different talking about types of sexual desire and sexual communication, sexual breaks and accelerators. That's for the one-on-one level. So it's been, I mean, for, for, for me personally, it's a lot of fun leading the workshops. And of course my, my co-facilitator and I always say that we always learn so much from the people who come 
So it's neat in that way. And I, and I think it's been neat to see the participants learning from each other, kind of hearing people going through something similar, maybe, or people going through something totally different that they've never heard of, which, you know, in the spirit of normalizing non-monogamy, I have loved, there was one workshop where we had half of the couples were non-monogamous and half were monogamous. And (laughs) there were some jaw-dropping moments that I found out feedback from the monogamous couples hearing the stories of the the non-monogamous couples and saying, they do what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it, it, but it, but in a good way, you know, nobody was kind of turned off or scared off by it. It, it was more right. kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. There's a really broad spectrum here and you know, there's, there's a lot to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm so glad those are going well. And again, as Finn said, links will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. And I'm, my, my other question was, maybe comes out of left field for most people, but I'm just curious because you, you said this, uh, you go deep in your friendships mm-hmm. and just because you, you relate on that deeper level. And I'm curious, uh, is it a challenge for you sometimes to not go deep in a romantic partnership or even like just a dating to not quote unquote, go deep right quickly, because that is just sort of, your natural way of relating to people on any level? Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting question. And what does it even mean to go deep? Right. <laughs> I, for sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that I do go deep with the, the two people aside from Jack that I've mentioned I'm dating. I, I do have a deep relationship with each of them. And so I think it's not an absence of going deep, I guess. Maybe it's an absence of what the expectations for the relationship are. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the one person, we see each other about monthly and we don't communicate a ton in between there, not because we're specifically opposed to it, but it's just sort of where our capacities are. So, but yeah. So I, th- I think it, maybe it has to do more with like commitments and, and, and expectations for the relationship. And then the other thing I wanted to say about that, which I think is just interesting is the word love and the word love has been used with both of those relationships for me. And at first I didn't know how I felt about that, but I would guess, I I guess what I, what I want to say is that I, as part of my personal and spiritual growth have been opening up to using that word as like, I love my friends and these special people in my life. And that can extend to people that I'm dating of saying, I'm feeling a lot of love for you right now, or I love, I do, I love you. And have that be okay and not an indication that now suddenly our relationship is taken to another level or something like that. And I'm kind of sort of, as I'm talking about it, maybe you can hear that I'm still, still figuring it out and feeling it out, but 
yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well because it's not a black and white answer that's that's right. the thing it's there's grayness in there there's you know figuring out what the rela- relationship means what are the expectations and uh agreements around that relationship what does love look mm-hmm. like in that relationship and each one of it uh, each one can be its own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so thank you for for answering that and sharing what you did i think it definitely uh, resonates with me. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really appreciate that, and the like tying in the piece about love and that it doesn't right. It, so much of it is around the expectations and around the agreements and around understanding, understanding, but also respecting your own capacity and the capacities of the people that you're in relationships with and. Those to me are like, as I've been experiencing more of this, like those are really the pieces because you can go deep, like you can have incredibly deep, powerful conversations, but you're like, well, I'll, I'll see you in a month. And like, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is less important. It's a less quote unquote deep of a connection, but you've just both said when we're together once a month, it's going to be super deep again we're just using these vague terms but it's going to be like this but -hmm. it's going to be like this one time a month and in between there like sure reach out anytime but there's no expectation for whatever good morning good night you know check-ins every two hours like all of the things that you might do that could signify more Mm -hmm. you don't have to have those to have more or to have depth like Mm -hmm. it can just be its own thing yeah right exactly and the other part about going deep is that I have gotten more into, I, I'll call it conscious sexuality. Uh, it's also, you know, by Tantra, um, Tantra concepts. And so it, it's like, to, for me, sexuality and spirituality are pretty combined. And so that adds an interesting element to the the depth because if I have a partner that I am connecting sexually with, it automatic like it has a way of sort of automatically making it even deeper because that's part of my spiritual practice. And then mm-hmm. I, I t- you know tend to have partners who also have a similar lens on it. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily if it's like a swing situation or something, sure. but when it's a, a person that I'm seeing, and so connecting on that spiritual realm with someone it's kind of impossible for it not to go deep mm-hmm. and so so yes i guess having this conversation i i do agree with you that it, and that is how i see it like when when i'm with the person and we're both there and we're both very present and we're both opening up to this experience and fully engaging in it and then I'll see you next month. You know, like this was great. I'll see, I'll see. And it, and it actually feels good, which I know is not the case for every one of my friends is struggling with a once, once a month partner that, that he has, uh, because it, it's hard the in between, but for me, it's working out well right now. Yeah. 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 Well, and I love that right now, like it doesn't always have to work out well, but right. like, <laughs> but like right now this is working great. And so giving yourself that, you know, permission of like, well, this is great. I can just enjoy this and open to the growth and evolution of what might happen in the future. You don't ever know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And as a wise Finn once said, just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it was a failure. <laughs> For circle, bring it all the way. Call back. Circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, thank you, Rachel, for, I mean, for one, for coming on this podcast also, five that was years. A, that was a Dan Savage quote I know. originally. I know. <laughs> one sorry, yeah. secondary quote, then you don't right. have to quote the original story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. You're quoting uh, the secondary one. <laughs> you miss, what is it? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, and it's a Michael Squat, or Michael Squat, Jeez, oh, please. Michael Scott, um, yeah. Wayne Right, Gretzky. right. Yeah. <laughs> Office office quotes for anybody there. But anyway. Yeah. So my actually my goal is to offend Dan Savage enough that they reach out to us and not come on. So we're trying to antagonize the beast. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. So thank you for coming on five years ago, right? Out of the blue to a couple of random weirdos from the internet that you'd never met. Yes. And then five years later, we're doing it again. And just I I'm grateful for your work and for being in touch and for your vulnerability. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything, Rachel. Is there any last, anything else you wanted to say before we let you go? Well, I just want to get really cheesy and say, thank you, you guys for everything you do. You really are. I mean, just in my experience, just a ray of sunshine and warmth and personability. And I really appreciate being a part of doing podcasts with you. And I've joined some of the, the group calls within the community. And I just think you guys have a special gift for the way that you shepherd this community of people. So thank you so much for that. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's incredibly kind. Yeah. You can get cheesy anytime you want. Yeah. So much appreciated. <laughs> well, yeah. have a beautiful day and we will talk soon. Sounds good. And we're back. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on and sharing everything that you did and for coming on in the first place five years ago and trusting us. So we're so grateful for you. And all of the work you do. Thank you for doing your work yes. and for being a positive force out there in the world. A quick reminder to everyone listening, go to Rachel's website, aliveintimacy.com. Look at all of the work that she does. Sign up for her workshops. They're incredible. And we highly encourage you to check them out. You can find links to that in our podcast player show notes down below or on our website normalizingnonmonogamy.com and while you're there you can also sign up for our upcoming virtual meet and greet on November 17th and our virtual community which will be under the community tab and you can get those STD check tests done all lickety split you can pretty much do all of that within the course of about 13 minutes yes. I tested it last week <laughs> or maybe even faster anyway a quick reminder we have our first ask us anything episode coming out this Friday that's October 27th. We are excited about that. This is going to be an episode with Finn and our wonderful friend and amazing human, Miche, answering your questions that you sent us. It's too late to get your questions in for this week's episode, but we're going to do this every month on the, the fourth Friday of each month. So please, again, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. If you click on the podcast tab, there is a there's a drop down there, and now there's one that says, Ask Us Anything. And that's where you go to ask us anything. Yes. And we would love to have you send us a question, and we will answer it on an upcoming Ask Us Anything episode. So come back, listen on Friday, send us your question, and then come back next week for our next episode. We are talking with Jessica Fern and David Cooley, the authors of Polly Wise. Familiar names. Yes. 
This is an amazing interview. It's incredible. We're so, so excited to get this one out there. It was amazing when we recorded it, and we've even been sitting on it for a few months, and it's aged like like a beautiful cheese. <laughs> Fine wine. <laughs> Fine wine, a nice cheese. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> I think that's I think that's an apt comparison. Yeah. Compliment. Yeah, totally. It was a compliment. <laughs> anyway, I think that's it. That is all we have for you. We'll see everybody next week. Actually, we'll see you all on Friday, and then we'll see you again next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.